just like what John is saying, you know, I'm. I'm... <laughs> okay, welcome back to the second part of the podcast where we talk about SG Budget 2018. I think this time around we'll delve a little bit deeper into the adverse side of, of, the, of the policies that will be enacted lah, over a period of time. Actually, one of the... Remember last year when they announced the, the, water, the price of water will hike, like will increase? Yeah. And then, but they say it was going to increase in like 2019 or something. I can't remember. Like it, it was also like a time frame thing. It wasn't like an immediate increase. And the, like the very next week, right, all my te, all my te si kosong, all went up by 20 cents. Like across the board. I think only one kopitiam in my neighborhood didn't increase the price. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually seeing the same thing with my, uh, the kopitiam uh, at my, in my neighborhood. The freaking chicken rice, before they, incre- before they announced the GST increase, which is not going to take place till 2021 or and beyond, they, uh, they were selling something for three fifty, and now it's $4. And my Nasiloma also went up by 20 cents. I can't say that I've noticed any increase. Not yet, at least. But that's also because I don't usually count my change or <laughs> pay attention to prices. But I think the so-called one of the rules of business is that you don't increase your price overnight, right? Like you don't, or at least you don't increase it at a point where you need to increase it. You increase it over time, Mm. So that people don't feel the pain. Like I remember uh, a printer I knew, the they didn't change their price for 10 years. And then the moment they increased their price by 10% to adjust for the changing times, inflation, so on and so forth, they lost like half their clientele. <laughs> so it's just one of those things. Uh, like you have to slowly increase. I can sort of understand that. But at the same time, I'm just wondering, a lot of these sole proprietor. Do they really need to increase their prices? Do they even pay GST? Do they make a million dollars a year? They do pay G. I mean, you you pay GST on almost everything. It's but just. I mean, like you know, they have to pay GST for the GST increase in things like the basic stuff, like noodles, mm. rice, sugar, oil. You know, it's not just Petrol. them paying GST to the government for whatever they've earned. They've also need to buy like stuff, right? Yeah, I guess so. But then the, of course, the premise of GST is that you're supposed to. The final buck supposed to land on the consumer, la, not exactly. on the not on the retailer or the manufacturer. But I think maybe well maybe being a sole prop has its downside, la, so no choice. La. Because they are so called the final buck, ma, they don't they cannot charge GST to us. But supposedly. It, yeah. It's always been uh something that I feel um conflicted about because on the one hand I've always felt that you know, we don't really treasure our local uh, hawkers enough and we don't pay them enough because they are putting in long hours uh, in conditions that most people don't want to work in, you know, hot, sweaty, uh, smoky, oily. Uh, and, all, like, you know, they're spending their time frying your chakwitao for you for, what, $3, $4? Um, but we, we very happily pay, like, $15, $16 for a plate of plus pasta that, you know, probably uh, costs 20 cents a Avocado sandwich. <laughs> but of course you pay for the rental and, and air condition and, and you know uh, staff training and all that as well lah. but I just feel that you know um, we could pay them more but like what Jerry mentioned just now like a 50 cent increase on a plate of chicken rice that cost 
three fifty to four dollars mm-hmm. overnight just because of a two percent raise in GST. It's a bit ridiculous, ah. <laughs> okay, just before before uh you know like I cannot from anyone right. Just let me qualify this, okay? I'm the son of a hawker, so I totally understand the difficulties hawkers have to go through, and but at the same time, as a son of a hawker. Sometimes I also, you know, sometimes I also know the practices of hawkers. Ah, a lot of times they don't really. Uh, let's let's just put it this way: a lot of hawkers are not, they're, they're not bankers, they're not finan- financiers, they're not, uh, you know, accountants. So they're like, hey, 政府讲 increase leh. <laughs> then what are they gonna do? Increase ten cents? Obviously, they're gonna round off the number, right? Like twenty cents or fifty cents. Otherwise. That if not, you're gonna have a lot of change in your pocket every day. You have to go to the bank and get like ten cents. It's then, like imagine you know, paying like three sixty for a plate of Hokkien Mee. And we're like, what the fuck is three sixty? Yeah, it's like if I pay three sixty, <laughs> right? In, in Singapore, denominations come in one dollar coin, two dollar notes. If I pay three sixty exactly, sweet sweet shook. You know, the the hawker is like, hey, you know, you know, very very happy, very happy, right? But imagine if you pay four dollars. How many twenty cent coins do they need to have in order to change forty cents for every single customer that come in? Three eighty oh, the only one twenty cent. <laughs> Why not increase the four dollars, right? You know the change. Fact. But it's still annoying. Yeah, which is because it's like a how many percent increase. Yeah, precisely, precisely. But I mean, you also cannot tell them to increase. Hey, wow, GST is just sang lang percent, two percent only. You increase twenty cents. What the hell, man? This is like twenty percent of something. This is why you know things like uh paying with EasyLink card or cards is best. You can increase it to. Three dollars sixty-five cents, and I can still tap, and you don't have to worry about coins. It's okay. It's <laughs> coming. It's coming. The the cashless society is coming soon. Yeah, it's being forced down our throats, basically. Yeah, pretty much. I think one of the biggest complaints I've heard, though, like not so much the food-related items, but more like childcare, mm. um, especially like um, early childcare stuff, where a lot of um, families where they have both working parents and they need to. Put their their very young child somewhere. They don't have parents to help them look after, right? And they might not have the necessary financial backing to hire a full time maid. And then having these additional charges forced upon them is gonna be really really painful. Um, I just saw the finance minister in in this fifty minute forum with so supposedly, uh, like all walks of life Singaporean, you know. The, the meat and potato people um, You know People on the ground Whatever And then they were ask, They were asking him questions uh, And then basically The whole sum, The whole 15 minute interview I can just summarize it For you guys right now Any pointed questions About Whatever price hikes That the gov- that, that the Ordinary people Will incur Government has a scheme For that <laughs> Fuck your schemes man Everything has a scheme For that man Every scheme has an app Also <clears throat> right so I think would that be a portion of the problem that the government has to pay find a way to pay for all these things? Are they essentially creating a problem that only they can solve? L- and okay, well, that's one of the things. But the other thing is like the creation of so many schemes and so many avenues of support needed to uh, get these schemes to the people that is uh, that should get all these schemes is actually incurring a lot of cost. You know, like, because you need to hire personnel, you need to do this and that, and you need to, like, I don't know, have websites to explain, you have to 
have um you higher know, influencers. Higher, yeah. <laughs> higher fucking influencers who higher, are like who, by the way, it's just amazing to me that we are spending tax money on people that I do not know and do not care about, and clearly they have no influence over me to explain government uh, policies to me. What if what if the government decides to uh, pay us money to help them influence things? Clearly, that's different because we're different. Anyways, but <laughs> no, even then, I don't know. I don't. I don't really want to take the 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 government's money. That means that I cannot say bad things about them. <laughs> um, but yeah, like so. So when you create so many schemes intended to help people, I think there will be more people who will fall in between the cracks because of the effects. You're you're creating a situation where you make it harder for people than it has to be. Basically, I think one of the issues that are uh, one of the issues that I have experienced with with regards to these schemes, right, is a lot of the people who need the schemes don't really know where to go to 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 get to the scheme, and a lot of times they are they are like, oh, my last solution is to go and see MP. And then the MP, you know, when they meet the MP, the MP is going to, okay, we're going to help you. So we're going to help you by directing you to these schemes, which then they have to go through all the application processes and all those things. And they're like, no, I need money right now, man. Don't put me through another uh, a few rings of fire to jump through. That's the, that's the downside of bureaucracy, right? I mean, it's always all well and good to say that, yeah, you know, we have schemes that you can leverage on to pay for childcare, to pay for your house, to pay for whatever other social services that the government has implemented is another thing to get it all together. And any and let's not even talk about social services where the government is making sure that they are giving money to the right place. Sometimes I want to pay the government money to get certain permits and licenses and I don't even know where to look. <laughs> it's like <laughs> You can't even implement a system where you can collect money more efficiently. I don't see why is it that you can somehow implement a system where you can shell out money to the right people. The other thing is, I feel that anytime somebody who is really fucking rich, like our ministers who collect, uh, how much how much they collect in wages, and don't let's not mention their like bonuses. Do you know? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my. I know it's. It's many zeros, okay? It's, it's like a decimal. One of, it's like one of the highest in the world. Like. Let's yeah, just put okay. that way. It's the like, in the world. Actually. Why are people who do not understand the hardships of uh, the poor people and, and the, the elderly and the needy, what they go through, implementing schemes for them in the first place? You know what I heard recently? <clears throat> I heard that from one of my teacher friends that in her school, uh, a new teacher came in and she was teaching in RI previously and had only taught the top classes. And this teacher was writing curriculum for the NT classes. Guess how that went? Not well, if you couldn't guess, but okay. Yeah, it's exactly this situation, you know. Like, you you have this idealistic scenario in your head where everything works out very well, and then you're implementing it in a situation where, you know, everything can get fucked up, will get fucked up, all right? And there's, there's just no no way to resolve that. Just people living in ivory towers trying to tell exactly. us mud people how to live, uh, I guess. You fucking mud person. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, honestly speaking, I, w- I would say if the schemes are all there and people cannot access it, creating new schemes is not really going to help. But what you need to do is to create maybe... Uh, okay, maybe I'm, I'm overreaching a little bit. But 
if you are able to if you're able to bring in people who can actually go out and reach out to people uh, to to help them sign up for these schemes I think it will make more sense than creating new schemes because there, to, to me there are a lot of things that are existing that are not taken advantage of and I think this is how a lot of governments work I rather or rather I think this is kind of figure out this is how our government works so they come out with schemes and they try to dispense money or they try to figure it out for like five years they have like a five three year plan five year plan so three years five years they see the results if there's not you know if the the reception is not good they restructure it or they cancel it and they do something else so if if the schemes you created for people who are needy of the scheme don't get to the people who are needy because of miscommunication or poor communication then can you therefore say this scheme is a failure and cancel it? Here's a radical idea. Why no, don't you know what they will say. The you know what they will say. They will say that oh, clearly there's not enough demand for our schemes, so therefore everyone is rich enough already. So Wait, we don't I, have like poor hang, people. Hang on a second. Hang on. I I I want, I want to get aggro here. Why Why don't we Why don't we get rid of all the schemes, including funding to the arts? Huh? How about that? Fuck you, John. <laughs> I think we we talked about funding to the arts before. Right? Yes, yeah. in our second episode, you yeah. should so, you should, so, uh, you should have a, you guys should have a listen to that. But I am. I was super against it. Everybody else was super for it. Guess what, guys? We got paying for it now. GST plus two percent, yo. I'm. I'm not. I wasn't in the episode. But as a as an illustrator artist, I'm actually against funding for that as well. But <laughs> what? No, I'm. I'm serious. I'm serious. Okay, but that's that's. I think we can we can come back to this another time. I think. Uh, we shouldn't be getting rid of things that will really help people. Like say, for example. Uh, I don't think we should be getting rid of things like bursaries, for sure. You know, because there are a lot of uh, low-income, low-income uh, families that really want their kids to, to go through an education. And I think education is still one of the biggest things, uh, biggest reasons to, or biggest ways to get out of uh, poverty. So, I don't know. Getting rid of something like that doesn't feel right to me. Thank you. Nah, you go ahead. You go ahead. Like mm-hmm. things like EduSafe, right? I mean, I was the recipient of EduSafe. We all are, right? Yeah, we all have. We EduSafe, all have yes. EduSafe, right? Yeah. Uh, regardless of your background or whatever. But it always felt really strange to me that you know, us as a country, we are paying for luxury trips overseas, uh, for our students using EduSafe money, um, and things like that. You know, like even people who are in RI driven to school in a Rolls Royce by their pa- like rich parents are also having mm. money in their EduSafe. It's like why? That I don't know. Uh, maybe I don't have EduSafe because I'm not the third child. Because I was uh, old enough to be at a point in time where after the third child, you don't get any things. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you know, if I'm not wrong, I'm not wrong. You know, because because I remember after the after the third child during my time the government actually doesn't pay any bonuses because there is they were trying to actually stop yeah stop were, population growth yeah. they, they were trying to stop population growth at that back point in the, time. back in the Lee Kuan Yew days yeah so I it, I was at the tail end of that scheme so it, it, it's almost like immediately after me all those people born after me uh, they benefited and throughout my entire life every single scheme that benefits like the you know the first first three kids I don't get it because I'm the fifth of Five children But then wouldn't you say that It's like what Angie was mentioning just now right Like you've created this Superstructure that just Constantly requires Tribute and sacrifice And the bigger it gets The more it consumes And sooner or later 
it's just gonna collapse under its own weight. I think that's the nature of social programs. Like, I mean, I joke about the. I mean, I'm not really joking, but I kid about the funding to the arts and all that. I know it's a small percentage, by the way. Like, don't get me wrong, but it does contribute to the to the beast, right? This beast that endlessly consume, and the only way to satisfy this beast that endlessly consume is to sacrifice it with the blood and tears and sweat of, of the next generation <laughs> right it's always true, true. it's always the next generation that pays like we it. we are not paying for it we are paying for last generation shit and then right now we are already in the midst of understanding the kind of suffering that we have to go through right I okay I here's the thing I agree but I don't I don't believe we have we can cancel it or rather, I don't believe we can get rid of it in any way. Uh, it's one of those. It, one of those things will be the social programs for the elderly, because, like it or not, the entire globe is most developed nations are facing a uh, aging uh, population. So, like what you say, it, eventually, will it collapse under its its size? Maybe you know. I I don't know. Uh, I mean, if you look at Japan, they they have a. Have they have the older people surpassed fifty percent in Japan already? I think they're close to it. They're very close they, yeah, to they it. Right? Like yeah, they are like five years away from it. Yeah. they're at the tipping point where yeah. the elderly. Yeah, at the tipping is, point, yeah. Uh, yeah. So people but the elderly will, will be the majority. Of that's the right. Yeah. Over sixty years old will will have have more than fifty percent of the population. But apparently, from what I understand, in Japan, in the last five years they did a lot of very drastic financial uh, restructuring and of how they how they tax and how they uh, spend, and they are actually making headways. And it looks positive un- until the tsunami struck. <laughs> so I mean, to to that, I'll say a couple of things. Uh. Mm. First of all, I mean, with regards to things like bursary and all that, um, well, don't mistake schooling with education. I always say, mm-hmm. um, I don't necessarily think that schooling is the way to go. I think education is important for sure. Education is definitely the way out for poverty. Mm. But schools are not there to educate you. They are here to create. Mindless hive drones that will <laughs> that will create an economic unit of citizenry, right? I am an economic unit. I contribute X amount to the economy, and that is all the how the government sees me yeah, in yeah. in terms of the public schooling system. So let's not let's not confuse schooling with education, right? I think getting true education requires a lot more from the community from other institutions, even religious institutions, right? Uh, from your family, from from your friends. There's a lot more to it. Mm. And with regards to the the elderly, right? So once again this is a this is a problem that we have created for ourselves. One one of the ways that we've done so is having a, a falling birth rate. So this is I mean let's just be real lah. Uh, one child cannot support two parents, at least not at the level that they are living. Like if I were to support my mom right now at her lifestyle, I will go broke. I will have nothing left for myself, and not, that's not including my dad and my 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 wife's Ma, kids. Dad, I think you have to eat porridge for a month, uh, this month. Yeah, so porridge with kiamoni. We we have to we have to be real about. Precisely what is the nature of the problem And it's just falling birth rate Like it's just simple It's just as simple as that Having to tax 
a certain portion of the population to pay for the healthcare of the rest of the population is just as unsustainable, right? If you, like I said, it's like what we mentioned just now. At a certain point, the majority of any given country will be the aged and the old. How is the young going to sustain them through public funding then? It won't be possible. They have to, the governments will have to do it through borrowing, which will in turn tax the unborn even more. And, you know, it's, it's just this never-ending cycle, right? We just keep going on and on, and we're just thinking that, yeah, we can solve the problem the next generation. We're just kicking the bucket down. One generation, one generation, one generation. It's going to reach an imploding point, right? And this GST hike, right, is a symptom of that. Like, it, it, right now, it doesn't seem like much. It's just 2%. But don't forget, you know, Singapore is not just 9% GST. We are paying for COE, right? We are taxed in all sorts of manner. We have one of the highest tobacco and alcohol tax, mm-hmm. like in the world, right? Our houses are crazy in, in prices. I mean, even the BTOs, like, if you look at per square feet, the prices, right? It's just insane. There are some castles in Europe that are not as costly as our <laughs> HDB flats. But yeah, you're talking about this as if we are like living in a free country and free society where, you know, market forces di- dictate everything. But clearly we're not because one of the... Let me live my libertarian pipe dream, Angie. Don't crush it so soon. <laughs> yeah, but it, like, Angie. I mean, let's just... I mean, like, if you want to talk about reality No, no, facts, I'm not talking about reality. I'm talking about my Yeah, my yeah, dreams. you are like fucking utopia where everyone can just... Uh, everything is dictated by market forces. Yes. But it's not happening in Singapore. Like, even one of the most basic things uh, that we need as human beings, shelter in Singapore, is so heavily regulated by the government that... Most of us live in government housing, right? And prices are set very arbitrarily by the government. There's no indication of how prices are set. It's not based on, you know, uh, for example, how much the land costs, how much construction costs, how much this and that. It's really like they just throw a fucking number out there and it's like got many zeros, okay? Like, for example, like how much did a three-room flat cost in 30 years ago? Versus how much does a three-room cost right now? I mean, yes, it's great if you sell your old flat that you bought for, what, 50k or, or something and then get 300k back. Uh, but clearly, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's creating a situation where everything is just very severely inflated here. And yeah, I mean, that goes to my point, right? Like, the, yeah. the, this so-called retirement basket that the government has introduced in the form of our HDB flats, where 30, 40 years ago, our parents, our grandparents were promised that, hey, you know, just bet, just get a flat now, sell it off at a higher price later down to the next generation and be guaranteed in your retirement, mm. right? That was, that was so-called a dream. That was back then. And then now we are no longer able to live that dream, right? So we are then, incurring, okay, the, let- we are incurring the, the retirement plans of our forebears. And so, it's not just that, it's also like a falling domino effect. Like, A, uh, you know, you, you have to pay for a higher cost for house housing. So therefore, like, you can't just support uh, the house just with one working person, uh, usually the men. And, you know, women can't just stay at home and be mothers and things like that. Both of you need to go out to work. And, okay, of course, there's a lot of uh, social factors involved as well, uh, you know, with increasing education and, and you know, like how a lot of women want to be mm. career mm. Uh, women instead of uh, mothers. And I'm, that's completely fine. I'm just saying, but just saying that if in 2018 you want to be a stay-at-home mom, 
uh, your partner needs to be earning above a certain uh, comfortable level to support a, you and your children. You need a five-digit monthly salary. Exactly. So, like, the falling birth rate is not, like, a thing that we, like, a lot of people choose. It's just the reality of the matter. Like, you know. I, I do think it's what a lot of people choose. It's yeah, just, of course. Who I wants mean, children anyway? Yeah. <laughs> but, I, I mean, there are, I, I know some couples who would like more children. They just feel that, you know, in Singapore, they can't afford it because having a child is not just paying for the uh, the, the, the birth of the child, right? You also have to pay for uh, childcare, education, and this and that, and whatever, and university, and blah, blah, so blah. So I'm just saying, would that, be, would that be a more logical place to start solving our problems rather than keep shelling out money? It's like taking homeopathy for cancer. Well, at least homeopathy, right, for some people, uh, increase morale, that's true. There's, at least there's a placebo <laughs> yeah. effect. There's a, there's a, yeah. There's, there's some, there's some perceived benefits. And maybe that it. could lead to actual benefits. Yeah. But this one I, is, this one is please, really. There's like. Please, somebody out there, educate me. What are the placebo benefits of our, our schemes? We have no placebo benefits, right? It's just, a, we just got hit by a fifty cal in the fucking chest. Yeah. We're bleeding to death. Our organs are shutting down. And the Here's only thing. A band-aid. The only thing we can do is just put a bandaid on it. Right? It has smiley faces on it. I yeah. think it's pink. Comes in pink and yellow. Yeah. yeah, you can you can have a choice. You know, it's not like we are being, we are being fascist. Uh, and 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 having only the flesh colored bandit, right? Yep. So guys, cut funding to the arts. <laughs> yeah, why not? Never. To a certain extent. Oh, it, it's okay. I mean, what are, b- before we cut arts? What other funding can we cut? I don't know. There's just too much. The, the, I don't even know if there's a logical place to start to solve the problem any longer. You know, it just seems so I I would cut all the, you know, the the schemes for entrepreneurship and all that bullshit. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's, that's probably where I'll start as well. I, I kind of agree with that because you cannot, you cannot force feed innovation. You cannot you can you you can only sort of watch it grow from a distance and not not interfere at the moment of growth. Um, I can't remember who was it that said it. I'll I'll put a link in one of the like some, I think one of the a lawyer for one of the opposition party posted a video, a fourteen minute long video on his phone, and he was just saying that uh, in response to SG twenty eighteen budget, he was just saying that. The government is trying to control innovation, right? And it's very apparent through all their schemes and grants that benefits certain uh, sectors of, yeah, of this kind true. of entrepreneurship. It's true. Yeah. So the problem is that you cannot control innovation. Like that is is a it's just such a misnomer to begin with, right? How do you control innovation? Like if it's so innovative, it means it's something beyond what you can imagine or what we thought possible to begin with. And it can make people uncomfortable. Yeah, precisely. And the the genesis of all this innovation, right, typically is failure. Like mm. you have to fail several mm. times. And the metrics for determining what is good innovation is never easy to determine. So even if we were to like we cannot just simply say, yeah, let's give it let's give this money to someone who's failed multiple times because he could just be a worthless failure. Neither can we say, let's give money to a person who 
seems like he knows what he's doing because he could be a con man. The so, other thing is also that if, even if you're giving it to someone who is really legitimately doing something really cool, for example, if he fails 10 times and he couldn't make his KPI in the year uh, that he's supposed to, he couldn't make all the targets, you know, because he had to do a lot of R&D and things went wrong somewhere, you know. Uh, and then after the year or two of funding, uh, somebody from the, some board reviews his project and be like, hey, this sucks, you know, he's not produced any results, he's not doing anything uh, that we can be, like, you know, uh, showing off to the rest of the world, uh, we should pull this project. And so this dude is, like, 80% there maybe, and then you fucking pull this project down from under him, and usually I think all, uh, in a lot of cases, all the stuff that he's worked on probably belongs to the government or something. So anyways, he's, he's at 80%, and you pull the carpet out from under him. How is that <laughs> helping? He's like, ah, 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 almost there. You know, yeah, it's like you, you are like masturbating. <laughs> like someone, the, the power shuts off, like you, he had a bad internet connection, and then you're like, fuck, right? Jerry, yes. don't make that face ever again. Please, please don't. Yeah, I don't really mind. I've already seen, I've already seen Dan half naked. I don't need to see your orgasmic face also. <laughs> okay, anyways. Yeah, um, but, but, uh, okay, I mean... I'm not saying that we need to fund them, but I'm just saying that Governments, even when they do have good intentions, do not usually produce good results. It goes back to what John is saying, right? Like the, the officers, they they a lot of times they are not super knowledgeable. They are just there to dispense money, and their KPI is to dispense money to businesses or or ideas or innovations innovations with uh, air quotes that that they feel has uh, has potential. Actually, the current direction now seems to be. Um, trying to internationalize. Mm. So, like, I think they've just merged uh, Spring with IE. Yes. Yeah, so then the, the PIC is going to be replaced with something else. Uh, I can't remember what it was. I don't even know if they have announced it, announced the scheme yet. But, so, that's that's a signal that they wish for innovation to be exported, right? Or they wish for Singaporean companies to be brought overseas. Like even I think they also come to realization that our market is just too small. It's really too small. Yeah, for for us to really meaningfully achieve anything. My my question is, what took them so long to figure it out? Because when I'm working on my own content, when I'm working on my own book, I decided very very early on that I don't want to do something that's Singaporean based. Because what am I gonna do? I'm earn a dollar from three million people when I can go somewhere else, and you know, if if I can go to Indonesia and earn thousand rupiah from yeah, ten thousand rupiahs ah. Ten thousand rupiahs from something like two hundred million. Yeah, two hundred million people. Why not? You know, yeah, I, I earn less from one person but I, I have a net gain because you know it, it's just just such a bigger market. I don't think it's that they only realize it now. It's just that they only have begun to so called focus their efforts in this way la. And PIC was definitely a wake-up call for them uh, in that I think it's like one of the most scammed one of the most exploited yeah, one of the most exploited yeah. schemes like ever I, they nev- I don't think they ever released the numbers I think they released one number which seems absurdly small in my opinion given I know <laughs> given the fact that the moment by the way the moment I registered a private limited right I have something like three guys coming up to me and say hey I know a way, right, for you to get money from PIC. 
and it's apparently all about the wording. I I have ever heard of people creating companies just to help other companies do this PIC. Yeah, shit. precisely. So this this thing was just exceedingly exploited, right? And I just don't see how this new initiative to internationalize would be any better. I think there will be some gems naturally that will be hidden in the, you know, um, in, in the, the rough. rough. Yeah, for sure. But I think majority of of the people that's trying to leverage on these kind of schemes, right, are just people like when you create a game like this, right? The game is to get the money, and the rules are, the government set the rules. Like you need to achieve X Y Z, then all I need to do is to achieve X Y Z. I don't actually need to produce anything else. I just need to. And the thing is, even like you know, achieving X Y Z does not guarantee a good product. It's just some stupid thing that the government sets. They they it doesn't it doesn't matter to the people who are getting the grants because the to the people who are getting the grants. Yeah, I'm just saying that like from a government point of view, having arbitrary rules and regulations and like KPIs that you set mm. are not indicators that these projects are going to do well. Even if they hit all of, yeah, yeah, of all course, the of KPIs, of in fact, they're probably gonna do very badly because they have been geared to meet these rules and regulations instead of looking at what the market needs and requires. I don't know about that, lah. It's it's a bit of a stretch to say that, exactly. But I'm I know saying, I know yeah. where you, I know where you're coming from. I know precisely what you're talking about. And the of course, like I said, is one of my good friends have once said that in any game there's a sweet spot, right and what you're, what you're actually looking for in these kind of schemes, right, is people who are not playing to the sweet spot. Like, you're really looking for people that's playing outside of it. And that's where, that's where the, the real innovators are, the real adventurers, the real... Exactly. The, the real gems. That, that's what I meant. Like, yeah. I meant that the, for the most part, I would say, like, probably 80 people, 80% of the people who are applying for these grants and schemes and stuff are the people who are going to try to hit your KPIs. And, yeah, and sure. those and are not... The yeah. people that you're looking for. They're just trying to make a living, man. Just trying to make a living. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, would, I wouldn't, sure, I wouldn't necessarily discount them right off the bat saying that they I'm are I'm not saying that they're all scammers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that they are not the ones who will make and break yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. the industry. It's like there, there, there are also a lot of uh, instances where uh, I think in double negative is a big one uh, recently when they closed down two years ago, I think. And a whole slew of uh, Singaporean uh, visual effects artists went out of a job. Um, they they were basically what happened was the gov feel that you know hey you guys are doing pretty okay right so we're gonna cut the funding and straight away this uh, neck right they say oh shit you guys are gonna cut my funding I'm I'm not gonna stay here man you know so that's actually a very um, Logical business sense Like well If I'm not gonna get Goodies from you Why am I gonna continue Basically the, business the here? Basically the business Has been Geared towards Subsidies Yeah Like if mm, that if yes. So I could Overspend on things Which I didn't need mm. I wasn't optimised I wasn't My business wasn't optimised Because of the subsidies And therefore I can Yes have, uh, I can afford to make more mistakes la. And That's exactly what I'm So saying. now that the subsidies Has been pulled Then mm. I do not I, my business is just not optimized in that way to survive on its own. Yeah, yeah, and it's DNAC is I mentioned DNAC because it's one of the biggest ones because the layoff was affected 80, 90 people. Yeah, it affected some people and actually. Yeah, yeah. And so because I think a lot of the local, uh, what do you call it, the 
VFX artists. Yeah, the artists and all that. I mean, most of them are hired by Double Negative, right? I think a lot of them are hired. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them are, are yeah. hired by DNEC. I, I know a couple of guys who have now found jobs in Lucas. So that's that's the other one to look out for. Like, if, if they fall and go back, uh, then it's really... Bye-bye. Yeah, but I mean, they built a building over here, so who knows? Building can be sold law. True, true. Yeah, it can be repurposed. Uh, oh well. So once again, the the crux of all of what we are saying is... I would never agree that, you know, no funding for the arts. Never. Government funding... <laughs> government never know what they're doing. Okay, except for, except for a few things, right? They know how to stay in power. Like... If we were to ever play a game where we say to PAP, stay in power, they will know what to do. Okay? And so that How about trying to lose power? Can you do that? Uh, no, that, that's losing the game. Right? What's wrong with losing the game? They're trying very hard. Oh. They're trying very hard. Oh. Nobody wants to lose a game. Man. Like, you, would, you wouldn't even concede the point of cutting funding to us. You wouldn't even want to lose this debate. You want to lose the game. Like, please... You're too Chinese to make this kind of argument, please. <laughs> Fucking racist. <laughs> it's so funny. Okay. Definitely need some external force or some external factor to come in and say, we need to really define what the government is about and make sure that they, they adhere to those rules. Typically, it will be the media. La. <laughs> but, but, but... Never mind. Never mind. Like I said, the government here is here to take care of you from cradle to grave. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. Long live the PAP. Yeah, just like, just like remember, remember kids, just like what John said earlier in the podcast, you are a unit of revenue. You are economic unit. Yeah, economic unit. You are our only resource. Yes. Please. Go out there and earn what money. Are? So you can spend money. Go to shopping malls. Go to Spend. Orchard. Produce more babies. We're turning into an episode of uh, the They Live <laughs> movie. <laughs> he bought the sunglasses and it's like all the, all the subliminal messaging. Okay, well, is this the end of this podcast? I guess it is. You I, guys feel have very de- I feel very depressed right now. We so need some go and spend more money. You need retail therapy, man. Yeah. I think so too, you know. Let's you should like go to Vivo City. Oh, yes. And you can uh, go, to, go to H&M and, yeah. and buy like... And buy like more stuff. No, actually, like I want to support local. Let's go to what CK jewelry. What? Isn't it local? I SK. SK jewelry. CK jewelry. <laughs> Wait, it's I didn't CK know. Tanks. I didn't know Kelvin Klein <laughs> created gold chains for my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. All right, we are setting off from this podcast. Sorry if we depressed you. I'm not sorry. Get depressed, man. You deserve it. Alright. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.